0: Good morning and welcome to Counterbalance Radio, a new KZUM radio talk show featuring progressive Christian voices. I am Beth Menhuesen, one of
1: your co-hosts for this program. And I am Richard Randolph, also a co-host at Counterbalance.
0: Today is a day before Mother's Day, and we will be discussing the theme God, Our Mother with our colleague Lily Spader. Lily is a fellow Lincolnite, graduate of the UNL College of Law and the assistant music director for us at Christ UMC. Hi, Beth. Hi, Lily. It's good to have you on this morning. I'm really
2: excited to be here. In the
0: time that I've known Lily, uh, we've had lots of conversations about Christianity and feminism, particularly about the sacred feminine in the Christian tradition. There's a lot of interesting questions to be asked when it comes to gender, inclusive language, and the identity of God. Um, But we have a few announcements to share with you before we get started. Um, Richard, would you tell us about the KZUM Spring Fun Drive?
1: I'd be glad to, uh, Beth. We are now in the uh, midst of the KCUM Spring uh, Fund Drive, which uh, is uh, part of the Give to Lincoln uh, program uh, sponsored by the uh, Lincoln Community Foundation. Uh, We are asking for people to call in and uh, to make uh, pledges so that we can continue to be uh, on the air.
0: Absolutely. We all know that community radio is important. I have to say, as someone who has not lived in Lincoln my whole life, um, when I when I moved here, I found that listening to KZUM really h- helped me feel more connected to the Lincoln community. It helped me know um, what was going on around here, and uh, especially what uh, what the meaningful activities going on were. Um, so they help provide great music to our community, both on the radio, um, and live. Um, and they, they help support nonprofits and other businesses that are really important to our city. Uh, so I'm grateful for KZUM and that's why I'm a supporter. And so if you also value KZUM and everything it does for your community, we
1: hope that you'll support our spring fund drive. Thank you, Beth. Um, There are several ways to uh, contribute, uh, to make a pledge to our spring fund drive. Uh, You can call in during our show at um, area code 402-474-5086 and uh, make a pledge in that way. Or you can go to our website, uh, kzum.org, and click on the fund drive promo, and that will take you into the Give to Lincoln uh, website where uh, you'll be able to make your uh, pledge there. We should say that uh, we all of the pledges for this uh, fund drive uh, are part of the Give to Lincoln uh, uh, program, which means that uh, your pledge um, will be um, partially or proportionately uh, matched by the Lincoln Community Foundation. And so if uh, KZUM can... Uh, raise one uh, percent of all of the contributions to all of the nonprofits uh, that are are made during the uh, the month of May. May then um, then we get one percent of um, oh, I think it's four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which mm-hmm. is uh, just a huge huge uh, benefit. And uh, if you make pledges uh, today um, during our show, uh, there uh, at the sixty dollar level, there's a nifty KZUM coffee mug that you will receive as a, a thank you gift. And uh, it comes you, with coffee from the mill. Also, That's coffee important. I neglected to say that. That's very <laughs> important. It includes some coffee from the mill. Um, also, uh, if you make a contribution at the $89.30 uh, level, um, you would qualify to receive a thank you gift of a T-shirt. And at the $120 level, uh, you would uh, qualify to get a, A thank you gift of a KZUM uh, canvas bag. Uh, All of those are in effect throughout this hour and and actually throughout the drive, uh, all of uh, uh, the the, the seven days. But uh, in addition for our show, we have a couple of uh, extra gifts. Uh, One is um, a pair of tickets to the uh, Prairie Pride Film Festival. Uh, these would be passes for the three-day event, which uh, occurs in July, and uh, to to receive these passes, we would need you to call in and uh, or go online and make a, a pledge of uh, $89.30 or more. But in addition, at the $60 level, we have uh, a couple of other um, uh, gifts just for uh, counterbalance uh, listeners. Um I'm sorry, uh, at the $60 level, there's uh, a necklace by Guiding Star Jewelry from 10,000 Villages. And then at the $89.30 level, there's a gift certificate from a novel idea, the the bookstore. Uh, So we have lots of of gifts uh, uh, to say thank you. And we're just uh, waiting for you to call in and make your uh, pledges. Uh, This is very important uh, for our campaign and for the the uh, viability of KZUM, and uh, also uh, for counterbalance our, our radio show, Beth, I want to let you know mm-hmm. that we've already received a one uh, pledge towards our goal for the uh, uh, for the hour, and so we want to give a shout out to Alicia and say thank you. Awesome. And uh, we hope that uh, we'll get some other calls uh, so that we can meet our goal.
0: Absolutely. It's very important.
1: Wonderful. Thank
0: you so much, Alicia. Well, folks, you're listening to Counterbalance, a weekly radio show here on KZUM every Saturday morning from 9 to 10. Uh, At Counterbalance, we envision a show that will focus on social, ethical, spiritual, and faith issues from a progressive Christian perspective. Uh, We hope that topics over the the months and hopefully years will include interreligious sharing, as well as science and faith topics. We've probably all heard conservative Christian perspectives on other radio stations and TV shows. However, we plan to offer an alternative voice for KZUM listeners. We hope that we can uh, provide a progressive perspective that is authentically Christian, that takes the Bible seriously, um, but also provides some alternative perspective. We have named our show Counterbalance because we seek to counterbalance the most conservative Christian uh, perspectives that are out there. I'm Beth Menhusen, one of your co-hosts.
1: And uh, I am Richard Randolph, your other co-host for Counterbalance. Both Beth and I are pastors at Christ and Connection Point United Methodist Church here in Lincoln. One church in two locations with two very different personalities but a shared commitment to acting inclusively, seeking God, serving others, and doing justice.
0: That's right. At Christ Connection Point, we strive to welcome, include, and affirm all people, whatever their ethnicity, economic class, gender, or sexual orientation, because we recognize that all people are created in the image of
1: a loving God and loved by God for who they are. For more information about our church, please visit link dot org. Uh, Link is spelled L-I-N-C. So link.org.
0: And also check out ConnectionPointLNK.org. This morning, we are here with our friend and colleague, Lily Spader, talking about God, our mother, in observance of Mother's Day tomorrow. Mother's Day is a time to remember and recognize our mothers and other important people in our lives who have cared for us like mothers. This morning, we'll be exploring the theological evidence and implications for a God who is not just a father figure, as we often hear in many Christian traditions, but a God who also has feminine and mothering qualities.
1: Beth, if we're thinking about Scripture, this exploration takes us all the way back to the very first book in the Christian Bible, uh, to Genesis, where we see a story about God, the Creator making humankind in God's image. And the scripture specifically says both male and female.
0: You're right, Richard. And kind of what's always frustrated me about that um, is that we have that at the very beginning of the Bible. And then very quickly, uh, the writers start using uh, very male language for that same God, um, so male pronouns are typically used, so he, him, his, and the writers of Scripture refer to God with terms like king, and Lord, and judge. Uh, those are kind of on the more assertive side, and then shepherd is the more caring, caring male pro- uh, descriptor used. However, what's very interesting to me is that when Moses asks God to self-identify in Exodus three fourteen. God doesn't use such gendered language for God's self. God says, I am who I am, but the gendered pronouns and language continue for the rest of the Bible anyway.
1: Yeah, these are really good observations. Um, uh, There are also many times throughout the Old and New Testament when God is referred to uh, with more traditionally feminine metaphors, such as in Hosea, uh, I'm thinking, where God speaking through the prophet is compared to a a bear robbed of her cubs. Or in Isaiah, where God says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And then Jesus, in the 23rd chapter of Matthew, Jesus says that God would have gathered Jerusalem up like a mother hen, if only they were willing. So there are important uh, scriptural passages that do refer to God with feminine attributes.
0: Absolutely. And I I think, Richard, that we're sharing those scripture references this morning just to point out that We can take the Bible seriously and appreciate the Christian scriptures and still explore or accept this non-traditional idea that God is not only the masculine father figure that is traditionally presented in Christian history, but that God might also have feminine qualities and act like a mother in relationship with creation. I'm thinking about, I had a conversation this week with someone when I told her this was our topic about the book, The Shack. Uh, and in the shack, God is portrayed as a, um, a, a black woman, um, right. a black woman, though, who goes by the name Papa. <laughs> and uh, this uh, my friend shared with me uh, that she read that in her more uh, conservatively Christian high school. And it was pretty confusing. And they weren't really uh, excited about the idea uh, in her setting there. Um And so I think it's important that we can show that some of these more feminine uh, instances of of God descriptors um, are are rooted in Scripture and in our tradition.
1: Absolutely. Uh, In fact, the view that really makes the most sense, um, given what we learn about from the Bible, is that God is beyond anything that we can even comprehend, uh, beyond gender or biological sex. So when we try to describe God in gender terms, and especially when we're using the English language with its gender binary, it's sort of like the writer of Ecclesiastes who calls us chasing after the wind.
2: Yeah, I'm going to chime in here and point out that even though language is limiting, we have to work with what we're given. Mm -hmm. And throughout human history, it seems that there has always been a desire to understand and describe God. And so, as is the case with just about any topic, it's the group in power, the winning side, who gets to write history. And so, as we know, at the time the Bible was written and throughout the majority of human history, (laughs) we've been operating in patriarchal societies where men were in charge and had control over what language was used for anything, including God. And so it's only in recent history that women have even had access to education Been allowed to publish their own works and be allowed to be leaders in either the church or secular spheres. And on that note, I think it's important to point out that. um, So, a book I read in preparation for this is called She Who Is by Elizabeth Johnson. And in her introduction to that book, she points out that while we take um, scriptural descriptions of God really seriously, we also recognize that in our Christian traditions, extra biblical language about God is acceptable. For example, we talk about God as being Trinitarian, Mm. God as having personhood, but if you look in the Bible, there's no, no one talks about God as a person or the person of God. And so that is part of our tradition as well as sort of using our, our context to find ways to understand and meet with each other.
0: Right. And I think too, Lily, that's that's a good point. I think, and it kind of goes back to that the winner writes history thing, not just when it comes to the Bible itself, but in terms of what got passed down mm-hmm. through our traditions, like that made it into popularity in the 21st century Christian world um, I think if we go back to more mystic traditions um, we find a lot more of that feminine language yeah, and for if, sure. if we go back to uh, the um, the writings of more indigenous cultures uh, we see whether that's talking about the Christian God or their understanding of, of God or gods we see the feminine lifted up yeah. in much bigger ways um, and A big part of what inspired me to bring up this topic as a possible theme for our radio show at all was um, a memoir by the Benedictine nun, Joan Chittister. Um, So she's written a lot about Christianity and justice and the role of women in the church specifically. And she's gotten a lot of trouble for it, um, especially for pushing for more female leadership in her Roman Catholic tradition, which as we know, doesn't ordain women. Uh, as priests, um, and in her book called *To Question*, published in two thousand and four, Joan talks specifically about her own journey of faith as a Catholic woman living in a, in a regimented religious community. Uh, we might call it a convent. It's a Benedictine community. Um, so routine prayers and songs with the other sisters were part of her everyday life. Um, you know, once, twice, three times a day, they would, you know, sing songs and read Psalms and, uh, recite the same prayers over and over in community. And she writes in chapter three of her memoir that one day in chapel, she got to thinking about the words to these liturgies, uh, that, of course, she, she said, you know, all female nuns were praying so frequently. And she writes that these psalms and prayers had, and I quote, formed our minds and defined our theology. At the same time, it occurred to me, she writes, they had been shaping our images of ourselves as well. And always God was our father. We never ever prayed to God our mother, she says. She shares that this realization really shook her faith and left her wondering what kind of God only represented half of humanity. Such a God felt small, she wrote, and instance and different from these in authority, insistence from those in authority that God was only the male personification became more and more alienating to her and other women as she went about her work uh, and her Benedictine community. Um, but she goes on to say that as she dug deeper and decided to articulate her faith for herself and kind of became a dissident uh, in her community, she discovered that embracing God, who as well as being father, is also God my mother, had a greater impact on her life than any other spiritual idea. Mm-hmm. And she's a very spiritual person who does a lot of studying and a lot of contemplating and a lot of praying. And so I find that really um, powerful. And it tells me that it's an important topic to to explore. And, and I have to say that after I, I read that in her memoir, um, it's had a pretty big impact on my life as well and led me into a greater area of exploration in my own spirituality.
2: Um, that's an interesting perspective, Beth. And I'm really looking forward to talking about that more in as our show continues. But I think we have to take a break now. Is that right?
1: Uh, Well, now would be a good time to take a break. Um, We'll hear more from from Lily about what she thinks (laughs) about the idea of God, my mother, how it's impacted her life, and how it's made her think differently about church music and liturgy. Remember, if you'd like to ask a question or make a donation to our spring fund drive, please give us a call at 402-474-5086. And uh, you can press extension
2: one. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Folk and Roots Festival at Pinewood Bowl Theater on Saturday, June 15th. Featuring the Travelin' McCouries, Pokey Lafarge, Rainbow Girls, the Chris Lager Band, Jack Hotel, and many more. Festival tickets, complete schedule, and other details on Facebook and NebraskaFolkandRoutes.com. And by TEDxLincoln presenting Disruption, Nebraskan ideas to influence our future on Thursday, June 13th, 7.30 p.m. at the Leeds Center for Performing Arts. Tickets, speakers, and more on Facebook and
1: TEDxLincoln.org. In the past year, KZUM has aired over 12,000 public service announcements and featured hundreds of representatives from local nonprofits on the air. The station is committed to sharing its airwaves to connect those in our area who can benefit from so many of the great services Lincoln has to offer. It's part of what makes this a great place to live and something that would be made more difficult to get out there without KZUM. Please help sustain this vital resource for our community now. Donate at KZUM.org or 402 474 5086, extension one. Welcome
0: back to Counterbalance, a weekly radio show on KZUM. I'm your host, Beth in here with Richard Randolph and our guest this morning, Lily Spader. Um, Lily is a fellow Lincolnite, a graduate of UNL's College of Law. Uh, I would think it's fair to say she's a recovering conservative Christian, maybe. I have a
2: lot of different uh, experiences in my background and conservative Christianity
0: is one of those. There you go. Uh, And currently she's a church musician. She... uh plays the piano for us and accompanies many of our ensembles and, and helps direct uh, at our at Christ United Methodist Church. Uh, we need to uh, let you know about something exciting that's happening at KZUM this week, and that is our Spring Fun Drive. Um, so the Fun Drive is important because it helps keep KZUM going and providing great programming, not only on the air, but in person. And you get to be a part of uh, all of the great work that KZUM is doing in the community uh, when can you give uh, during this drive? And when you give uh, during the month of May, thanks to the Lincoln Community Foundation, uh, your gift is is matched uh, from a really big matching funds pool. So if you are giving online today, uh, you'll find that you're taken to the Give to Lincoln Day page. And, and that's how we uh, account for those donations and make sure that they're matched uh, through the Lincoln Community Foundation. And this is the only time this year uh, that we get that, that match.
1: So uh, it's a great opportunity to give. That's right, Beth. The uh, the match program goes from now until the end of May, uh, so even after this show, you can still go online uh, to um, kzum dot org, and uh, that'll take you to the website to make a, a pledge, which will be matched by the Give to uh, Lincoln uh, program. Uh, we have some great news. We um, are. Um, Uh, A fourth of the way uh, towards raising our goal of $40,000. Over the first couple of days, we raised over $10,000, and so we're off to a great start. But we need everyone's help uh, in order to continue to uh, have KZUM be a a vital radio station for our community and even beyond our community, literally around the world through uh, the uh, HD program. Um, We uh, are also uh, a in our own goal for uh, this show, for uh, Counterbalance, we are making good progress towards achieving our goal by the end of the hour, uh, but we're not there yet. We still need uh, some uh, more cont- uh, contributions, some more pledges. I uh, do want to give a shout out to um, our latest donor, who was Justice. Uh, thank you, Justice, for your contribution or your pledge and um We really appreciate your support of uh, Counterbalance. Uh, Again, uh, you can contribute to Counterbalance uh, to our pledge drive right now by calling 402-474-5086 and clicking on extension one. Uh, Also, if you want to make a, a add a comment or ask a question of our guest today, Lily Spader, or to Beth or I, uh, you can also call that number. Again, that's 402-474-5086. And again, the way to give online is to go simply to the KZUM website, uh, kzum.org, and click on the uh, the very prominent uh, fundraising uh, uh, page, and uh, that'll take you... Uh, to where we can receive your your pledge. Uh, before the break, we were talking about author and activist uh, Sister Joan Chittister's about her reflections on the feminine side of God or uh, God, our mother, as as she writes about in her memoir called, uh, which is called Called to Question. <laughs> uh, Lily is someone who was raised in a Christian tra- tradition more conservative than uh, our own. Uh, one where women could not be pastors or serve in leadership roles. How has the concept of God having feminine qualities or or being like a mother resonated uh, with you?
2: Um, so I think. In- it's important for me to share as part of my backstory is that um my father was killed in a car accident when I was eleven. So for a lot of my um growing up years, I was raised by a single mom. And Mm. I'm pretty sure my mom is listening, so (laughs) can't say anything about her. I love you, mom. Shout out to Shout out to my mom. She's awesome. Um but so I think in a lot of ways so in the the high school I went to was a very conservative Christian high school and the church was such that when it came time for church meetings, uh, only the men could vote Mm. in church meetings. And so even then for me, I was sort of a nascent feminist, um, (laughs) that, that didn't sit right with me. And I think a lot of that came from the very top down of this idea God is very patriarchal God, you know, God, our father. Um, and again, not having my father in my life, that was a very sort of abstract concept for me. And I was like, I, I don't really know what this is like. I have I have an intellectual idea of what fatherhood is, mm-hmm. but I don't have an emotional connection to it. And so when I um, as I explored different faith traditions um, and came across you know sort of more mothering image, imagery for God, that was something that I could really connect to on an emotional level because I, I had that relationship with my mother and my mm-hmm. mother had this very um, protective um, always wanted the best for me and just this uh, love um, that, I, that I could understand on a deeply, deeply sort of primal level. And mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of when I, so then I think about God having those feminine qualities. It's a way for me to use my human experience um, to connect more emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a poem I think that really kind of encapsulates this um, that Beth shared with me. And it's called God, Our Mother by Alison Wardard. And I want to kind of share this to set the rest of our conversation. And so it's, it begins, to be a mother is to suffer to travel in the dark, stretched and torn, exposed in half-naked humiliation, subjected to indignities for the sake of new life. To be a mother is to say, this is my body, broken for you. And in the next instant, in response to the created's primal hunger, this is my body, take and eat. To be a mother is to self-empty, to neither slumber nor sleep, so attuned you are to the cries in the night, offering the comfort of yourself and the assurances of, I'm here. To be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusions and wounds your children inflict on one another, to long for reconciliation and brotherly love, and when all is said and done, to gather all parties, the offender and the offended, into the into the folds of your embrace and to whisper in their ears that they are beloved. To be a mother is to be vulnerable, to be misunderstood, railed against, blamed for the heartaches of the bewildered children who don't know where else to cast the angst they feel over their own existence in this perplexing universe. To be a mother is to hoist onto your hips those on whom your image is imprinted, bearing the burden of their weight Rejoicing in their returned affection, delighting in their wonder, bleeding in the presence of their pain. To be a mother is to be accused of sentimentality one moment and injustice the next, to be the receiver of endless demands, absorber of perpetual complaints, reckoner of bottomless needs. To be a mother is an artist. To be a mother is to be an artist, a keeper of memories past weaver of stories untold, visionary of lives looming ahead. To be a mother is to be the first voice listened to and the first disregarded, to be a mender of broken creations and comforter of the distraught children whose hands wrought them. To be a mother is to be a touchstone and the source, bestower of names, influencer of identities, life giver, life shaper, empath, healer, and original love.
1: Wow. That's a beautiful point.
2: I wish I could say I'd read it. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: There, there's so many images that, oh, they're, they're so powerful and so poignant. Yeah,
2: and I would say for me, I, I'm not a mother, um, but I have three nieces now, one, unknown on the way. And so seeing my sisters, so I have two sisters who have children and seeing my sisters become mothers has really been influential. I think on my faith journey as well, as I see the sort of demands put on them by -hmm. their children. And as I see them grow and I, I love my nieces dearly, but they can be very demanding. And so, and then I see this well of, unlimited love and grace extended to them and i'm like oh my gosh i i don't know if i could do that and so i think i think in many ways that's how god relates to us Mm -hmm. and i think that's where the power the imagery of god our mother is so powerful because we tap into that patience and not that mothers have endless patience, but there is that endless supply of love. And it's like, okay, I, you're really trying my nerves right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we can see that a lot in God, the stories of God and the Israelites in the Old Testament. It's like, okay, you're really trying my nerves right now,
0: but I still love you. Mm-hmm. And, it, and yeah, in the scripture, we see God continually to give these people who messed up more and more chances. Just, I mean, I think most of us have, a lot of us have probably had that experience with our mothers, you know? No, I, I liked the line in there about, The mothers are the ones who we put our angst on, (laughs) you know, we we blame them for all this angst. And I can remember doing that as a teenager. Uh, So thanks, mom. You were an angsty teenager. I was
1: an angsty teenager, believe it or not. (laughs) I like that line um, where it says mothers are the first that we seek out for advice and also the first that we disregard. Yeah
2: yeah i th- i i could, i see that in my own faith journey too, and i'm like oh god what what should I do here in, in prayers and then the answer comes i'm like nah, i don't want to do that that's I'm, I'm, gonna that's, I'm gonna do that. something else so, yeah
0: so. which usually leads to to more struggle yeah. We, yeah. yeah so as we mentioned at the beginning of this segment um what this topic boils down to, uh, the topic of God our mother, is a matter of language, especially the limited nature of our pronouns in the English language and the ideas that those gendered pronouns represent. Um, you know, we all have a mental image in our mind when we hear he or she, a mental image that comes up. Uh, we all have a mental image that comes up, um, and often a deeper emotional connection when we hear father or mm-hmm. mother. Um, given your background in law, and that's a lot of working with words, as I understand, Lily, um, could you share with us some of the ways in which around the world we've seen language dramatically affect social and political situations? And this is to, this is just to illustrate how important the language that we use is. Yeah. So
2: uh, one of my kind of core philosophies is that our language, language shapes worldview. And so an example I use a lot that I, I learned about when I was in law school uh, is the Rwandan genocide. Um, and so for those of you who aren't familiar, the Rwandan genocide occurred in um, 1994. There's a great uh, movie, uh, Hotel Rwanda that kind of um, talks about that or explores that. But what we what we learn about language when we study the Rwandan genocide is that language was really influential in sort of creating the worldview that allowed for that atrocity to happen. Mm. And so there was there was tension, historical tension between the Hutus and the Tutsis, um, because of uh, colonialism and political power. And so there is this underlying tension. But the radio stations at the time. Uh, we're using language to drive uh, f- uh, to drive that tension even further, and so the and it's gonna be in a while. So I'll forgive me if I um, get this wrong, but the I think it was the Tutsi radio stations who they started referring to the Hutus as cockroaches mm. on the radio station okay. um, over there, and so everyone listened to the radio much like everyone kind of listens, hopefully listens to KZUM, exactly. or they listen yeah. to cable news. Um, and so they're constantly inundated with this message that the other side are cockroaches, mm. that they're, they're not human, they're not worth living. And so eventually over time, this language escalates until they say the cockroaches must be exterminated. Mm. And so because of the, one, because of the existing um, complexities of the political situation, and two, because of the exacerbation of the language, then that's what allowed the uh, that's what sort of drove the, um, the genocide. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really key example. And so the, uh, the important thing then for the, I suppose the lawyer and me, is that for the first time in the uh, International Crib- Criminal Tribune, um, the owners of the radio stations were found responsible for inciting the violence mm, in Rwanda. Wow. And so that that I think that shows our increasing recognition about the power of language. And we can't just say, oh, it's just words, sticks and stones, break my bones. It's like, no, sticks and stones, or words generate a worldview. And mm-hmm. if you are using language that excludes, and I think when it comes to our topic of God our mother, if we're primarily, if we, if as Christians, we believe that, that God is reflective of our whole kind of, that God ex- experiences our whole human experience. Mm. I, that's not the most elegant way of saying it, but this idea that through Jesus, God comes or God comes and experiences human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you can fix that Richard, if you need to, <laughs> Um but if we're only using language that presents God's experience as male, we're missing out on an opportunity to understand more of who God is.
0: Right, and it goes to the the question that's I think come to the forefront more in media lately is um, is the, the topic of representation, like how important it is for people of all genders and colors and uh, nationalities to see themselves uh, represented, um, in this case, in their sacred uh, traditions. Uh, But lately, we've seen that conversation happening in in movies and music and and that kind of thing.
1: So we... This is a fascinating conversation. (laughs) Um, and uh, we have to take a break right now. But uh, when we come back from the break, Lily, uh, we'd like to talk to you about language um, specifically in terms of, of worship, in terms of music mm-hmm. and, and liturgy uh, and, and how that can be very important uh, if we're seeking to make uh, worship inclusive of all people, all um human experiences, then how do we do that? What, what is it about yeah, language? Yep. Um, how do we make it more inclusive? Or is it already inclusive? We'll come back and get your thoughts on that. But right now, we need to take a break. This is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. You're
0: listening to Counterbalance, Progressive Christian Voices, a new talk show here on KZUM. I'm your host, Beth Menhuzin, here with Richard Randolph and our guest for the week, Lily Spader. Uh, we are excited about the KZUM Fund Drive happening this week and we just need one more gift of $120 this hour um, to meet uh, the goal that was set for our show. So if you uh, love KZUM as much as we do, if you love the great concerts that they support in the community, if you love the uh, the, the unbiased news that they provide, if you love hearing your neighbors on the radio, um, then please call in uh, and, give, and give your gift. Uh, when you give during uh, the month of May, that gift is matched uh, by the generous uh, match fund from the Lincoln Community Foundation.
1: That's right, Beth. The Lincoln Community Foundation and many local sponsors have pulled together $450,000 for Give to Lincoln Day. This is the largest pool of matching funds in the history of of the event. KCUM is eligible for matching funds from this generous pool, and that's where you come in. Your donation will go further now when you donate at kzum.org. Don't miss this chance to bulk up your donation.
0: And when you do donate, we have some uh, thank you gifts for you. Um, at the sixty dollar level, you get a KZUM mug with coffee from the mill. At the eighty nine point three or eighty nine dollars and thirty cents level, you get a KZUM T-shirt, which is a, has a new design. And looks really nice. Um, and at the one hundred twenty dollar level, you get a KZUM canvas bag. And this hour, um, just this hour, we have a few special gifts as well uh, that I think are, are like gift cards to local businesses.
1: Richard. That's right. We have um, still um, the Prairie Pride Film Festival passes. That's in July. Uh, it's three days, and that would go to someone who would uh, give us uh, a gift of $89.30 or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the uh, necklace by uh, Guiding Star Jewelry, uh, which would be uh, a thank you gift for anyone who can donate at the $60 level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are some important uh, gifts. And, you know, uh, Beth, we are the, the new kids on the block, or <laughs> one of the new shows here at KZUM. And it's really important that we meet our goal for this hour uh, because we want to show the, uh, the the programming uh, manager and the, the station manager and the uh the uh, board of uh, for KZUM that they made a wise choice in selecting us to be have our own weekly program. We love this op- opportunity. It is just such a great opportunity, and uh, so we're really hoping that at least one other person will call in and and uh, make a pledge so that we can meet the goal that they've set for us and and show them that um, that their decision to include. Uh, Uh, counterbalance uh, as part of programming at KZUM is paying off in many different uh, ways and uh, including uh, financial support for the radio station. So please everyone uh, think about uh, giving us a uh, that last pledge to ma- help us make uh, make it over uh, our, our goal for the hour. Yeah,
0: and also if you, uh, so you can call in to give your pledge, uh, but you can also call in if you have a question for one of us, uh, Richard or Lily or I. The number to call is 402-474-5086, extension 1. So we hope that we'll hear from some of you soon. But in the meantime, let's jump back into our conversation about um about language, uh, specifically the language that we use for God. Uh, we've been talking um, in light of Mother's Day about the idea of God our mother and the ways in which, um, you know, Scripture doesn't really justify a, a male-centric image of God. And so why do we use such male-centered language? And uh, we've talked about how it is really important to to connect emotionally, perhaps, with, uh, the, with the imagery of God our mother for some of us and how it's important for women to see themselves represented in their religious tradition, uh, which we can do better when we use uh, female language for God in some cases. Um, and so we were, before the break, we were a- asking Lily to share with us a little bit about how um, how she thinks about language in worship now and your role as a, as a worship director, worship mm-hmm. assistant director for us at Christ UMC, uh, leading a, a classic worship experience where the hymns are very wordy and steeped in theology, um, how do you how do you think about that or, or modify traditional songs and liturgies, perhaps? Um, yeah, so um, a little bit of background in hymnody,
2: you know. So there is this idea that at certain times brotherhood. Or he, her. You know, women are supposed to see themselves in, in brotherhood. In brotherhood, and, and you're just included pronouns, in that in male yeah. pronouns. You mm-hmm. should how, know.
1: How do you do that? That doesn't make any well, sense to me as a man.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those that like. Well, when you're addressing a group, you're like, oh, all of all of you here. If I use male pronouns, you understand that it's addressing all of you. And it's like, well, in our a, a, as we move on in society, that doesn't really work anymore. And so. Um, at Christ, we use the, I think, 1983 version the version yeah, of I'm the hymnal. This. And I have to say, you know, it does a pretty good job. Um, but there are still some hymn texts that we, so I'm thinking primarily of, uh, Rise Up, O Men of God. Mm-hmm. And so that one, it, we easily change to Rise Up, O Church of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of been the status quo, I think, for uh, inclusive language in hymnody is like, okay, well, let's just replace. If it says brotherhood, let's say brotherhood and sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Or um, if it says men, let's say all of us. And so sometimes if I go to more conservative churches and there's they're singing very masculine pronouns, I will say
0: they or all mm-hmm. and very loudly. Yeah. And I know even at Connection trolling. Point where yeah. we tend to do more contemporary worship music on Sunday evenings um, are... Our worship leader will give me the songs, and then I'll look through all the lyrics and change the problematic pronouns. Yeah. and he doesn't notice, and nobody else notices, but they get to sing inclusively.
2: Yeah, and so, but I, th- I think there needs to be. We need to move into a direction of um, recognizing that feminine experiences are not necessarily equivalent to male experiences. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was the trend for a while to be like, okay, we'll just equate male and female. And so we say father God, mother God. But as we're recognizing there are, um, as we recognize sort of gender experiences come on a spectrum and there are things that we need to value in both of those. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to move to a space where our hymnody reflects both masculine experiences of God, but also that centers feminine experiences of God. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking there's a new hymn called Enemy of Apathy, mm-hmm. and it describes the Holy Spirit and the sort of the Hebrew Bible wisdom tradition as being female. Mm-hmm. And so it talks about she sits on the wind, hovering over the waters at creation, waiting to give birth to the new creation. And so I think that is a really important direction that we need to nurture and recognize and give space to in our liturgy of those feminine exclusively feminine experiences
0: right so and yeah to go beyond just changing one or two words and just talk about the whole experience Mm -hmm. more like we saw in that poem which you read earlier um, and Richard and I uh, talk a lot about Mother's Day, how Mother's Day can be a tricky time for us to lead worship also. Um, because not yes. everybody, and, and Father's Day too, because not everybody has had a positive experience with their parents at all. That's and true. so any kind of parent language can be problematic. Um, and we, we try to do that by by lifting, I, how, how do we do that? By well, we have
1: a, a litany that we'll be using in worship tomorrow mm-hmm. that that acknowledges that and mm-hmm. lifts up everyone. Uh, and there's a line in it: we give thanks for mothers who were not able to be good mothers, mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, we remember and try to acknowledge that mm-hmm. our experiences with our parents are not—they're not universal. They're not all the same. Mm-hmm. It can be very different. Also. Um, try to have a liturgy that is inclusive of uh, persons who uh, maybe have wanted to be parents, Mm -hmm. mothers or fathers, uh, depending on the day, but that's not been possible for them for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. And uh, I always try to emphasize that we can be like a mother or like a father uh, to those around us.
0: Right, absolutely. Um, And so I think as as we conclude this talk, I I have just one more thought that— Uh, One thing that is kind of going on in modern psychotherapy right now is the idea of reparenting about how many of it we walk around as our little vulnerable selves, even though we look bigger and stronger now. Um, And I think as I've explored the idea of reparenting, you know, my younger self uh, through counseling, um, reparenting myself as uh, the mother God. Mm-hmm. has been really healing and even mm-hmm. as, even not as a human father, but as a, a all loving father, God, you know, obviously our parents aren't perfect. Uh, but when we use God language, when we think about parenthood from the perspective of who God is, we have the opportunity to create a, a, an inner world of, of, with perfect parents. Um, and, and that can be really helpful as we work through some of our, some of our past that probably wasn't perfect. Nobody's is, um, that is all the time we have for today. It I'll is, uh, leave thank,
1: you with that deep thought. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Lily uh, Spader, for being our special guest today. We really appreciate you coming and um, and re- enriching our show as we've been talking about and thinking about feminine images of God, God our mother. Hey, I've got some great news before we sign off. We met our goal. Yay!
0: We Woo-hoo! met our goal.
1: Uh, I'm so excited about that and just want to give a uh, thank you to Deb, who called in um, and helped us get over the top. Awesome. Uh, so we met our goal, and uh, we showed uh, everyone that the new kids on the block, we can, um, we can pull our weight in terms of uh, Fund Drive. So oh, wonderful. Th- uh, thank you to all of our listeners, and especially to those of you who uh, called in and made a pledge today. I want to remind you that you can make a pledge for our Fund Drive, and it will be matched uh, up until May 31st, and you can do that for our show by going uh, online to kzum.org, uh, or you can simply wait a few minutes and call in uh, for, uh, uh, in the next hour. Uh, that's all the time we have for now, and so uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. Way to go, folks. Thank
0: you.